Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those who might be joining us for the first time, we're speaking, of course, with musicians whose parents made it big in the music industry, or those artists who started playing and making music when they were still very young. For these talented artists, making music is often as natural as breathing. Today's guest really fits in both of those categories. His daddy played guitar for two legendary country music performers. And even though he was probably on the road a lot while he was growing up in those early years, our guest started playing the piano when he was just three years old and grew up dreaming about following in his father's footsteps. We'll learn when he started writing those songs, how his family has influenced his rise in the music business, and where he goes next as his music starts to go mainstream. We'll meet him in a moment, but first, I'm Brad Newman, the producer of this series, and once again, I'll be doing a little double duty, taking on the hosting chores for what should be an interesting look at the life of one of country music's newest stars. We're bringing this to you from our podcast studios in Midtown Manhattan. Rick Buser is our engineer. And as I mentioned, today in the studio, we've got a young man who's getting a lot of attention. Last year, he had his first number one hit, My Girl, which he wrote in honor of his wife, who was also his childhood sweetheart. But he's definitely got some range with some foot stomping hits like uh, Blackwater Baptism, which which is my personal favorite. I, I really enjoyed that one. And his latest single, Hooked, he's an artist people are starting to take a look at. And we wanted to see what the fuss was all about. So welcome, Dylan Scott, to the studio. Yeah, man. Good to be here. Good to be Blackwater here. Blackwater Baptism. I like that one. Where are you from? Originally, <laughs> you know, I'm from Ohio, but okay. it's a small town, so we've got that connection going. You know, yeah. this is like you know, really small. Because that's about that's about shooting ducks. That's about a little duck hunting. You know, I, there's and but I went to school in North Carolina, so okay. I, I carry a little bit of that yeah. with me too. And I know cool. you're Louisiana, yeah, you yeah. know, but uh, no, man, there's something about your music. I was trying to to really look at your background and figure out because it it it's not uh, it's not the same thing that you hear on the radio. I think what's what's interesting, and you do stay true to your roots, is there there is a little country boy, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I'm from, like you said, Louisiana, and that's what I that's what I grew up doing. You know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, riding four wheelers and and hunting. That's what we did. And so I just I try to keep my music true to the p- things people can relate to. Now, your father, Scotty Robinson, was a guitarist for two country greats, uh, Freddie Fender and Freddie Hart. What do you remember about those early days? Just stories. You know, by the time I came along, my dad had kind of 
ventured away from the music business. You know, he married my mom and started a family. And so we were living in Louisiana. He left Tennessee. And so it was just the stories and the pictures and, and videos that my dad had of himself on stage. And, you know, that's that's kind of what sparked everything for me, was seeing the pictures and, and the videos and hearing the stories. I had no idea what a Nashville, Tennessee was, but I know I wanted to be there. And uh, the older I got, you know, I was like, oh, well, that's a, that's a town. I want to move there. Was was his career, you know, because this is a tough business. It's, you know, from everybody we've talked with, um, you know, you just, you can't necessarily control the path that it takes. Yeah. And it, it sounded like, from what I read, your dad really wanted to be an artist, and he caught on with these great, you know, musicians, but then ended up touring and not really spending a ton of time in Nashville. Yeah, I mean... I guess landing a break, getting a record deal, and being an artist—it's—it's—it's it's, it's tough. There's a lot of people trying to do it, and so my dad—he yeah, he moved to Nashville trying to do that, and realized that all right, well, I got to make some money, and so he landed a gig playing guitar for Freddie Fender and Freddie Hart, singing background vocals. Uh, I don't know if it was Freddie Hart or Freddie Fender one, but he drove the bus for. Him. I mean, he did everything he could just to be out on the road to make a living, and so he loved it. You know, whatever he could do in the music business, and like I said, once he met my mom, that kind of kind of change things real quick for me. He's like, all right, I'm almost 30 now. Let's let's hang it up and, and start a family. But, yeah. But he got you started in music pretty young, and he wasn't the only musical influence in your family. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a gospel side, too. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I guess it was my great my great aunt, maybe. I guess it was his aunt. I didn't know her that well. She, she passed when I was real young, but she, she first, first taught me piano. Uh, it was my Aunt Marie. And uh, she played with, man, she played with Elvis. She played with everybody. But, uh, yeah, a lot of musical influences in my family, you know, with her and my dad and, and, and others. And was there a lot of song in the house? I mean, I, your dad, you know, I read an early article, and he said that, you know, you would be singing. He taught you how to sing Do Lord, which yeah. I remember singing in church. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have video of me. I'm like two years old singing Do Lord on, on their bed. But, yeah, I was three years old. There's a video of this, me sitting on my dad's knee singing, uh, I like my women just a little on the trashy side. Remember that song back in the day? Yeah, my mom didn't like that very much. No, no, that's probably like that not something much, you want but, to hear. But, you know, my, my dad, was he's picking guitar, just, you know. Uh, and I was singing Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson, you know, at three years old. So I've known what I've wanted to do for a long time now. Early influences were also uh, George Strait, right? Yeah. Keith Whitley. Absolutely, man. I'd, I'd love to hear you yeah, sing a George Strait song uh, we for We can us. do some George Strait for <laughs> stuff like... Uh, Started way back in third grade I used to sit beside him in Lou Hayes A pink dress, a matching bow, and her ponytail She kissed me on the school bus but told me not to tell Yesterday I chased around the playground Up the monkey bars to the merry-go-round And Emmy Lou got caught passing me a note before the teacher took it, I read what she wrote. Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? And if you do, well, then don't be afraid to take me by the hand. If you want to, well, I think this is how love goes. Check yes or no. So, you know, stuff like that. 
you got such a big voice, you know. I mean, it's it's a real gift. Uh, I'm not a big guy, though. I don't know where I get it from. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. No, but it's that, that rich baritone. It really lends itself, obviously, to the ballads. But you can kick it up a notch, too. Yeah, we can. I mean, I grew up listening to everything. Keith Whitley's my favorite. I mean, that was my first CD I ever got. You know, that's who I used to sit in my room and, and try to be. If I was going to be somebody when I was a kid, I wanted to be Keith Whitley. And so I didn't sit there and learn every song on the radio. It was just really Keith Whitley songs. And so it wasn't until I got older, I was like, all right, I got to find who I am as an artist. But I listened to everything, man. Like I said, from Keith Whitley to George Strait to Tim McGraw, all the way to, I mean, guys like, I mean, Lil Wayne and T-Pain and Maroon mm-hmm. 5 and Kings of Leon. I just, I broadened everything. And I feel like it's helped me as an artist, you know, because, I mean, I could get on stage and sit there and play my guitar, but I like to run around and have a good time, make people laugh and stuff. So we do. We kick it up a little bit. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of Keith Whitley influences on, on this uh, program. And it, it's funny, if you're going to pick one artist, that's a good one to pick. Yeah, it was just something about, I mean, I guess the just the richness of his voice, you know, and he has that low thing as well in his music and his melodies. And that's what spoke to me. You know, a lot of people are, a lot of people are Merle Haggard fans, which I love Merle Haggard. But if I'm going to sit down and listen to music or country music, it's going to be Keith Whitley. Let's hear one. Absolutely. What do you want to hear? You name I mean. How about close your eyes? Hey, we can do that. Absolutely. Let's do that. Well, I know you loved him a long time ago. And even now in my arms, you still want him, my But darling, this time Let your memories die And when you hold me tonight Don't close your eyes And it's him in some fantasy And darling, just once let yesterday go And you'll find more love than you've ever known And just hold me tight when you love me tonight And don't close your eyes When you love me tonight And don't close your eyes Beautiful. Thanks, man. So you're 15, 16 years old, and that's when, you know, Dad comes in, and does he give you a guitar? He starts he starts showing you some chords on the guitar. Yeah, I was probably about, I was probably, I don't know, 12. Really? Even younger? Yeah, I was even younger than that, and... He would, man. He taught me. He taught me. It was real simple, you know. Play a G. 
So I'd play a G for a week, and then the next week I'd be like, let's play a D. Now let's see, now let's move. You know, it was real cool the way Dad taught me how to play guitar, but it's, uh, you know, and it just it gradually got faster and faster. But uh, Dad was, he was he still is, but he was my, a big critic back then. And he's, and he's hard of hearing, which is really crazy, but he would be in the living room, I'd be back in my bedroom with the door shut, and he'd come in there and go, hey, you're over singing right here. Or, hey, you need to do this and do that. I'm like, how can you even hear me across the house right now? But he would. He'd come back there and tell me exactly what I was doing wrong. Well, what about playing? Because, you know, it's it's usually hard for, for any kid if, you know, a parent happens to be really good at one thing. Right. And, and then they try to teach them that thing, you know, because it, it's hard to watch them, you know, struggle, to watch you struggle on the guitar. I yeah. mean, it is. And, I mean, I'm not the guitar player of the family. My little brother is. Mm-hmm. I have a brother that's three years younger than I am, and he is the guitar player. I mean, he's unbelievable. I just, you know, I play rhythm guitar. But um, I, I guess I just I picked instruments up pretty easy. I mean, the first instrument I ever learned was piano. And um, I was taking lessons for a couple of weeks, and the piano teacher said, look, I mean, he can keep having lessons, but if he hears something, he can just play it. So, you know, so uh, it's kind of the same with the guitar. You know, I just kind of, I, I, if I hear something, I play it. And so I, I, he was more critiquing my voice than anything. Well, and, you know, you started writing your own songs pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I was probably, I mean, like really writing, like 17 or 18. Trying to write before that, a little bit, you know. Um, I saw something the other day, I mean, I wrote my uh, high school theme song, which I wish for the life of me I could remember it and play it, but I do not remember it. It was called Strop City Thing. I'm from a little town called Bastrop. And they call it Strop. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because, I mean, the school I was going to was a big high school. And I remember playing that song and everybody's like, that's got to be our class song. And I did. I played it for graduation. It was really cool. But, uh, yeah, songwriting really came the most, though, when I moved to Nashville. Uh, met some of my best friends, you know, guys like Matt Alderman, who was my roommate. He's my producer now, one of my best friends. But, you know, I started writing music about things that I've lived. And a lot of them was about my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, so that's where most of the influence came from. I know she. You actually wrote a huge hit. Yeah, um, and and it was kind of ten years in the making. Didn't you actually start putting some of the the verses together when you were like sixteen? Yeah, 17? I mean, the stuff in the song that happened that I wrote about happened when we were sixteen and seventeen. You know, the song is about our because before I asked her to marry me, it was. We dated for 10 years, you know, and so the the song is about everything we really experienced up to then. But uh, it, it, we almost didn't record the song. I wrote the song when I was probably 21. And uh, just like I thought to myself, man, nobody wants to hear my mushy, gushy love story. And so I just kind of forgot about it. I just kind of I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I was like, nobody else wants to hear this. And uh, I was wrong. I was real wrong. So. And that song, it took a while, but made it all the way to number one last year. Yeah. My girl, can we can we hear a little bit? Absolutely, of it? man. She looks so pretty when I make up on. You should hear talking to her mama on the phone. I love it when she raps to an Eminem song. That's my girl. Man, her eyes really drive me crazy Used to see a smile when she holds a baby Well, I can honestly say that she saved me My girl 
That's my girl in the passenger seat Wind is down, dancing around, causing a scene That's my girl, sipping Crown of Sprite And a ball cap turned back, ooh, she got me like Yeah, baby girl, you're gonna done it again Making all the guys wishing you were with him But I bet they don't see what I see when I see my girl to Children of Song. I'm Brad Newman, and my guest today is the up-and-coming country music star Dylan Scott. You know, in that song, you talk about how she she saved you. I yeah. mean, do you think? Uh, tell me how, man. In a lot of a lot of different ways, but you know, just one in particular. I mean, I was. I don't know, 22, 23, a couple of years ago, living in Nashville before everything really took off. You know and I mean, I'm out on the road busting it every weekend, trying to build a fan base and just want a song to go up the charts on the radio, and nothing was really moving. I'm just like, am I really doing the right thing? Am I really am I really supposed to be in Nashville doing this? Like, what's the deal? And I remember talking to her on the phone. She's like, yeah, absolutely you are. You know, you're not coming back home. You're not giving it up. You're going you're gonna to keep going. She told me that. And so look at us now, you yeah. know. And, you know, it's interesting. We'll go back for a little bit. You know, you're 18 years old, and your daddy and a, and a friend actually brings you to Nashville the yeah. first time. What was your first impression? I mean, the first time, yeah, I'm 16 years old, and I've heard about it my whole life. I mean, it was it was pretty intimidating, just to be honest with you, because I knew here I am in this town. This is where I want to be, and there's so many other artists or people trying to get a record deal in this town. And so in my mind, I'm thinking – how am I ever going to get a deal? How how am I going to live in this town and among all these other great singers and writers and whatnot? But um, it didn't stop me. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, well, we're going to try it. Did, did your dad and his, you know, influence, at least being in the business, kind of open some doors that, that would have been tougher for you to get open otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, my dad had been out of the business for so long. You yeah, know, he was back in the late seventies and eighties, and this is now early two thousand, or I guess yeah, early two thousands, whatever two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. I guess when I first came. So he'd been out a long time, but he still knew the way to go about it. You know, not just okay, well let's go and I'll drop you off and I'll see you later. You know, he helped me, and uh, I did. I met a guy named Charlie Craig, and um, Charlie Craig wrote he wrote a song uh, called Between No Memory and Me that first. Keith Whitley did. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I started writing with Charlie. And uh, from there, you know, I met other guys who knew um, my manager, who's Howard Fields, who's still my manager today. And that's basically how it happened. I mean, I, I lucked up. I lucked up with the people that I met. I mean, what happened was Charlie was having lunch with this piano player. And I just so happened stopped in to grab a bite to eat with him. And he said, I like your music. I'm going to, you know, tell you, uh, tell Howard about you. And that's how it happened. Wow. So. And your first single was Making This Boy Go Crazy. And, you know, tell me about that. Was that one of the songs that you played for the manager at the time? Was this no. one of those back pocket songs? No, it wasn't. It's a song that uh, it was, we wrote it several years later. Um Making this boy go crazy right with a guy named Forrest Glenn Whitehead, who's from Bozier, Louisiana, or around Bozier, Louisiana, which is not far from where I grew up. And so I met him in Nashville, and we became really good friends and started writing a bunch of songs together. We wrote that song, and uh, label loved it. I was with Curb by this time, and uh, they wanted to put it out as the first single. And, you know, it never did anything, never made it up the chart, never went anywhere. But I do owe a lot of credit to that song 
because it's what kind of really got us going. You know, people reached out and, and, and started learning that song through YouTube and iTunes and whatnot. And they told their friends about it and their friends told their friends and it was good for us. And then Sirius XM got a hold to it, you know, and, and really, it really launched it for us. Let's hear a little. Yeah, let's do it. I ain't playing this one in a minute. Let's see. Never seen a tan look so good. Sunshine's treating you like it should. You gotta know the kind of glow you're giving off. Well, baby, that's dangerous. The way your hair blows in the wind takes me to heaven and back again. The wind is down, we're riding around. I bet you don't know what I'm thinking. Oh, well, girl, you make me feel like whoa. Spinning me out of control with every little move you're making Driving me wild if you know what I'm saying Hey, well shoot another smile my way You're making this boy go crazy, crazy, crazy So, you know, you work so hard to get noticed, and then once you get noticed, they send you out on the road. I mean, yeah. your, your dad knew something about that. Oh, yeah, he and, knew the road. I mean, you do too now. Oh, I mean, yeah. you did 130 shows last year. At least. And, you know, talk to me about that. Tell me about your band a little bit. You call you call them the Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, man. Yeah, because it's my little brother playing lead guitar, and then the drummer and the bass player, they're brothers. So there's two sets of brothers, and then through that, I met all my other guys, you know, which everybody just gets along great. You know, we know we know each other's boundaries and whatnot, and we did. We did a lot of shows last year in a van and trailer. And, and actually, the year before that, we did a lot of shows in a van and trailer, but last year was the most in a van and trailer. And, uh, you know, if they could stick with me through that, they can stick with me through anything. So we're in a bus this year. Which is a big step up. You do learn a lot, though, Absolutely. on the road. I mean, and you don't take it for granted, especially if you do two years in the, in the van, in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, cooped up in a van every, basically every day, traveling, stopping in gas stations, stopping in hotels, sometimes sleeping in the van. I mean, it was, uh, you learn a lot about each other, and, and I, I got a good group of guys. Did any uh, inspiration come from those experiences? Did any songs come out of that? No songs came from the van. Absolutely not. We try to forget those days now. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard to ride on the road. I mean, how do you keep it going? Uh, Well, now that we have a bus, it's it's a lot easier. You know, you have a guy, a bus driver that drives you around. So you get to sleep all night and wake up feeling refreshed. And you got a back lounge of a bus that you can sit back with your buddies that you bring on the road and write. And that's what I usually do. I bring a couple of guys out mostly every weekend. And we'll just, you know, we'll hang out and go back there and write a song and do a little recording. And, yeah, that's the way it's been happening lately. What I like, and and we've alluded to it, is that you really do kind of stay close at home to the roots with the songwriting. And, you know, I do love some uh, Blackwater Baptism. I want to hear some (laughs) of that soon. Um, But but tell me about that. What is it about your hometown that sort of makes it unique and, and kind of a rich landscape for songwriting? I mean... It's just where I, every time I sit down to write a song, that's where I go in my mind. You know, that's just, that's where I was raised. That's where everything that's happened to me up till the time I was 19 years old. That's where it happened right there. That's where all my friends are at. And so when I sit down in a writer's room and we start talking about, I don't know, we're going to write a love song or we're going to write a party song or whatever, I, I think about my hometown and what I did back in the day. And uh, that's just where it, that's just where it comes from, you know? Awesome. Um, you want to give me a little of that Blackwater baptism? You know, <laughs> we can we can try this. <laughs> this could be, be hard this could be this could be a train wreck. 
Looks like swampy feeling, some duck blind healing. Highball calling and more green heads back home. Well, keep your heads bound. It's gonna get real loud when that 12 gauge choir sings out a holy song. Well, somebody say, here's where I mess up. That's the wrong kid. Amen. Anyway, you get the gist no, of I it. I do. Yeah. You know what I love about that? And I got to tell you, the, the management and the labels here in the room, too, listening to us. I mean, a song like that is like, you know, that, that that's like an opening for, you know, Sunday Night Football. I mean, I got to tell you, there's a <laughs> swag. You'd have to change the words a little bit to it. But I got to tell you, it's it's got a fun, like, let's get this party started we'll kind of to feel it. to it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get that out there. Um, <laughs> I got to learn how to play it first. Well, you know that's what the, that's, that's what the band's that's what Logan's for. for. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? We're in the bus now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got the new single. Yes. Let's talk about this. Where you know, I there's a blonde in this one too. So is the wife the inspiration in here too? Um, I didn't write this song. It just so happened that there was a blonde in it, and it, and it worked. Um, you know, Morgan Evans, Lindsey Rhymes, and uh, Seth Ennis, they're all writers of this song, and I'm just a fan of the song. They sent it to me, and man, I just, I was jamming it, you know, and even now, I'll still get in my truck, and I don't really listen to my version, because I don't like listening to myself, but, you know, Morgan, he sang the demo, and I'll, I'll put his version on, just because I'm a fan of the song. I just love the song, you know, it just makes me feel good. That's great. As we go out, let's hear a little bit of that. This yeah. is the new single, Hooked. It was a Friday night, no cover, but the cover band was sounding right. And there you were, just flirty, dancing by the neon sign. The fishing in the dark, you were reeling in my heart. Now look at where we are. I'm hooked on kissing you, getting, getting you turned on, buzzing and loving on you all night long, like a hit song on the radio, you already know the way it goes, all it took was a look and I was hooked on, the way that you're taking, taking my shirt off, and running my fingers to through your long blind hair falling in your eyes like the first time they called mine, all it took was a look and I was Dylan Scott, look out for him coming to a city near you. Puts on a heck of a show, definitely worth getting out there. Pumps up the crowd. It's a very, very good time. His self-titled deluxe edition of his album, which was released last year, is available everywhere. So run out and get it. Dylan, thanks so much for being here. I enjoyed it, buddy. Thanks, man. Me too. I appreciate it. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to tell a few more stories and have some fun. As we were winding things up, we asked Dylan about life on the road. Here's what he had to say. You know, you hear all these crazy tour stories. I don't know if I've actually experienced anything that crazy yet. I mean, I fell off stage one time. Right. And I hit a lady in the face when I fell off, and that was really bad. Sorry, ma'am. Is it a grind going from city to city? I mean, try to I- express to me how difficult that I mean, They do a lot better job now than they did 50 years ago when yeah. they would make artists go from like New Hampshire down to Kentucky and they'd have to I have a manager them. that still makes me do that. So. In an airplane. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. In the van and trailer. Um, you know what? I mean, the, the road can be tough. It actually, absolutely can, you know, but a bus does make things a lot easier. You get to go to sleep. You get to wake up in the next town. It's hard remembering which town you're in sometimes, but um, I love 
the tour life. I love being on the road. I love meeting new people. And uh, I love here lately, you know, we've been out with Justin Moore on Hell on a Highway Tour. And I just love seeing, you know, new faces. And it's, it's been really great. It really has. Do you bring your wife out on the tour? Every now and then, you know, here, we just had a baby. I know. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you. That's kind of that's kind of put a stop on things. But he's, he's you know, I guess another two, three, four months We'll get him out there. Would you like to have him follow you in this kind of profession? I mean, you'd followed your dad. Yeah. Or, or would you be like, mm. You know what? I'm the type of person, which my dad was, nobody ever forced me upon music. You know, it was my parents. They were, when I told them I want to do music, they were totally supportive. But it, they would have been that way through anything. I'm sure it's the same way I'll be with him. You know, if he wants to, whatever he wants to do. If he wants to do music, Absolutely. Let's make it happen. You know, but if he wants to, hopefully, this is what I'm hoping. See, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a tall guy, but my wife's dad and two brothers are like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he's already a big baby, so I'm hoping he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, maybe he wants to go play baseball or, or basketball. That'd baseball. Baseball's yeah. the great sport. I mean, That's where you get paid. Yeah. Yeah, well, there we go. Baseball. <laughs> so, he, you know what? He's going to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, thank you. Thank you. Next time, we're going to steer back to Broadway with the legendary Cheetah Rivera and her daughter, Lisa Mordente. Former New York Times critic Charles Isherwood joins me in the studio for a wonderful look back at the two-time Tony Award winner and her amazing career. Children of Song, the podcast everyone's talking about. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.